0: You're listening to the New Leaf Project, sharing stories from instigators, innovators, planters, and starters from across Canada. Hi, my name is Elle,
1: and I'm Jared.
0: And you are listening to the New Leaf Project. Thanks so much for tuning in and hanging out with us today. We have our second part of our Mark Grollo interview. Loved the first half where he was sharing about his faith story and kind of some of the things that influenced him, events and books and all that good stuff. This episode really dives into the work that he is starting to do now, um, and exploring his entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial side of him, and this whole idea of Abundant Toronto. And I'm really excited about the work that he is starting to do. And just to kind of give you, I don't want to give away all the the greatness of the interview, but I just want to give you a summary of, His idea of this idea of Abundant Toronto, and really it's an initiative for Torontonians to be connected by a neighbor or two on each street who will initiate casual conversation with each household, learn about their neighborhood, essentially have these household interviews, find out what these neighbors want to join in with, activities and interests, skills, ability that they're willing to share with the neighborhood, um, and really giving Christians this tangible space to get outside of the walls Um, and really understand he talks about next door as it is in heaven. And I love this idea of being a street connector and having these abundant neighborhoods. Um, I just thought it was great. And you have the name of the gentleman that he, he had originally found about this idea
1: from. Right. So this is a, this is a a book, uh, and, and a project that's happening in Edmonton. So the book's called Abundant Community, if I have that correct. I think it is. Uh, and it's Peter Block and John McKnight. So, first off, anybody who's talking about neighborhood with the last name Peter Block, obviously born an expert in this uh in this kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, that was a bit lame. But
0: no, it was good. It was good.
1: Uh what I like about this episode, and, and this is what I like about Mark. Mark is actually one of the most adventurous church planters I've I've bumped into. He had a unique idea. I've never heard of someone who said, "I want to plant a church through a podcast." Now, that idea didn't work out. That's not the direction that Mark is going in now, but that doesn't matter. I love adventurous, creative, innovative people, and that's who Mark is. That's why I love this episode. And I I am really curious to hear about uh how Mark transformed the pivot points in his church planning project and then how he has embarked on this new thing called Abundant Community or this new concept called Abundant Community that he calls abundant Toronto, right? That's what mm-hmm. he calls it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so
0: let's give it a let's give it a
1: listen. I can't wait. So here's Mark Rolo. Talking about his latest iteration of his church planning project, give it a lesson
0: so when from what i from what I hear you saying, so you 've gone through this process you 're kind of at the end of Wikigod, this two-year process, and so now you find yourself in this place where you're thinking about uh, a new opportunity and something, it sounds like, that you've created from scratch. Um, Tell me a little bit about Abundant Toronto.
2: Yeah, I I would have to kind of start with uh, going from thinking it was a community uh, that would be in my living room and we'd be studying the Bible— Frankly, the only thing I'm qualified in life to do after an MDiv where I studied Hebrew and Greek extensively and received preaching awards. And, uh, you know, it's like this is what I'm wired to do. Mm -hmm. Or I think it's what I was trained to do, not exactly what I'm wired to do. Um, But there were little things. So like the denomination sent me to Florida to Exponential, you know, the massive uh, church conference meeting planters and stuff like that. And that's it was 2014. And they sent me there to say, Mark, you know, you're starting on your journey. Go there and be inspired. And I, that's where I heard Michael Frost talk about living a questionable life. And that, you know, that really, really rocked me because I was convicted on two fronts. And this is exactly what he said. If you're living a Jesus ethic, a Jesus following life, but nobody's questioning on you on it because your community is so homogenous that you're all doing it. You're doing it wrong because you're, you know, you're supposed to be salt and light. It's an indicator that if nobody's questioning you about your life and why it looks different, and right, you know, what fo- what following Jesus is, how it's unique and why it's useful, and you just kind of are doing it by rote, and you're you're doing it wrong. So there was that that convicted me because I I was firmly planted in the in the Christian bubble. I, I have not had a single non-Christian friend because I moved to Toronto started going to seminary started in the pastoral leadership track became a pastor at the meeting house and you just kind of get sucked in so I was like okay strike one and then he said you know conversely the other side of that is uh if if you are you know not living a questionable life uh and you do have some non-christian friends and and your your life looks exactly the same as your next door neighbor all the same you're spending your money the same you do the same stuff. You, you have the same values. Um, you look exactly like your neighbor, and you have this frenetic church attendance schedule. On top of that, at least they get to relax on Sunday, but you've got like this full <laughs> Sunday slate. Your life not only does it look not look redeemed or reconciled, or, or you know, but it also looks arduous and unattractive mm-hmm. to your neighbors. So I was just like, well, that's that could be me too. So Michael Frost kind of got me on this. Questionable life thinking about that. That's early 2014. And then I, you know, heard Hugh Halter talk. I read The Tangible Kingdom. A lot of people had read that book. I hadn't yet, where he talked about being a friend of your neighbors. We theologized that word. But he said, like, no, no, like your literal neighbors. Like, how many do you know? And I was like, I, I, maybe none. I know like a couple of names, but none really. Um, And so that got me thinking, like, is there something to getting to know my neighbors? Then I went to Vital Church Planning Conference, and I heard Karen Wilk talk. She wrote a book, Don't Invite Them to Church, this sense that we outsource all things about Jesus or having real conversation. We just outsource it to church. We invite people to church and hope that they hear a really rousing sermon that privately after they'll bow their heads and get their stuff straight with God. And we won't really have to talk about it because it's kind of awkward. Well, she talks about bringing that into the back deck, into your parties, into your house, into your living room, into your hangouts with neighbors and learning how to talk about Jesus and salvation and sin and all those words that are no longer relevant to the average person. How do you contextualize that stuff to people who have no frame of reference for that or even have a negative frame of reference? And again, I was like, wow, I am just not suited to doing that. So all this stuff is happening while I'm podcasting which is, you know, again, why I had stops and starts and turns and things like that. Um, I went to... uh, Then I read the the real ultimate book that changed everything, The Abundant Community by Peter Block and John McKnight. I kept hearing about it, uh, and so I read it for myself, and it really, really was the start of the change of everything, I would say. Um, They talked... Primarily about moving people from being consumers to being citizens, this idea of scarcity that kind of plagues our 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 western urban context where we have to keep buying things and acquiring things mm-hmm. and um, outsourcing our lives to systems. They talk about how systems are important, but they only they're they're up to a certain limit like a nurse takes really good care of you, but at the end of the twelve hour shift, he or she you know has to go home to mm-hmm. to their lives uh same thing with uh taking care of our senior citizens whatever it is childcare we keep kind of turning everything over to systems as opposed to harnessing the kind of messy relationships and skills and talents and passions that are literally in our neighborhood all around us mm-hmm. so that really started the ball kind of rolling for me um a couple of other things happened. I mean, you know, listen to the two years of podcasting. But one of the real significant things that ha- that I kind of retroactively came rolling into my head was Rick Tobias in episode I think eight of Wiki God. So like two right near the beginning. He talked about how Young Street mission got started. He had no idea what he was doing. As a really young man, he was kind of he came in from, you know, the Maritime provinces onto Young Street, Toronto to take charge of Evergreen and he didn't know what to do, so he went and talked to a Catholic priest that was on Young Street, doing a running a Catholic mission, and he said, "What do I do? Like, how, how do I be? What programs? What projects? What should I start doing?" And uh, the priest, Father uh, Joe McDonald, he told Rick, he said, Pass, just pastor the people of Young Street," and and Rick said, "Well, what if they don't want to be pastored?" And Father Joe McDonald said. They don't have a choice. If you decide to pastor the people, <laughs> then they're going to get pastored. Now, they can reject your care. They can turn their back on it. They can scoff at it. But you're the one who decides if people get cared for, if they can feel care. And that's how the Young Street Mission became what it is. Now, I thought that was a nice story about the Young Street Mission. Really neat. But just in the last few months of Wikigod, when I started to feel all the stuff I'm talking about, don't invite them to church, the abundant community, the 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 assets of people in our neighborhood. Um, uh, Hugh Halter talking about using your house as a missional outpost, not a retreat from the world, but a place that people can come and know they're cared for. All these things started to align, which was very surprising to me. Live a questionable life in front of people so that... Uh, I read The Art of Neighboring. I read The New Parish, those kind of books that just everything started to align. And I, the thing that rose to the top was that story from Rick Tobias, because it was still like, well, how do I do it? What do I do? And, the, and I remembered Pastor the People of Cameron Avenue, where I live. And so I just kind of decided to start doing that, throw a potluck. Um, seems very innocuous, but a way to get to know the neighbors. I'm new in this neighborhood So my wife and I, we went door to door with flyers. Come on over. We want to get to know you. And 40 people came to our first kind of neighborhood potluck. There were people standing in my living room who'd been living on this street for seven years and didn't know each other's names. Wow. Uh, I felt like like this catalyst, this facilitator of community. And, And that's where kind of a penny dropped for me where I just thought... This is it. This was that kind of little no that I was feeling about starting a, a Jesus-based or Bible-based affinity group in my living room of people who, you know, I just felt like if I start a podcast, a, a church plant from the podcast, I'm going to get people in my living room who are in my living room because they feel like we're doing it better than another church or, you know, you're doing it sexier, or you're really cool, or Mark, we really like you, or... um, this is a similar value set that we're looking for. To me, it f- it would feel a little bit more like another kind of consumer-based choice church plan. I'm gonna, you know, take the subway in 25 minutes to go to the thing that Mark and his wife are doing. For me, the neighborhood has become this this place where you can't you can't choose who you live next to. You just can't. That's where you know NIMBYism. Not in my backyard. That's where that there goes the neighborhood. That's where those kind of things come from. But there's such a beautiful thing behind that. It can become ugly. But at the base of that is this this thing where you can't choose your neighbors. And there's something really important and powerful about that, I think, that when we learn to live with neighbors and view them as as people who are broken and wonderful and have something to offer, and kind of like we all are, uh, this can become like an arena where God can work. And so I've started to view my street that way, where we just kind of I just decided my parish will be Cameron Avenue from Young to Botham, these 40 houses. I literally went on Google Maps, counted the rooftops. <laughs> There's 40 houses, so I need to make 40 reservations uh uh invitations to the potluck, et cetera. And uh and I've decided to pastor the people. Now, I did come up with this this expression, mindful neighboring, because missional still doesn't sit well with me. I don't know if that's a generational thing or just a guy with a lot of church baggage. But mission to me still seems to be a very one-way, like an arrow, very uh, phallic, penetrative. Like, I am going into your life and into your home to missionize you.
0: Whether you like it or not, <laughs> yes. I am going. Yes, <laughs>
2: very... And, and I just thought, if, a na- if I knew a neighbor was missionizing me... Correct. Yeah. I, have, I have a Persian a uh, Muslim family next to me. If I thought every time I said hi to my neighbor, he, was, he, he, he saw me as a missional project, I would be quite put off by that. And so I think there had to be a change of, of heart in me, of perspective, and say, what's something that I could be doing that I wouldn't mind being done to me as well? And so this... Uh, being a mindful neighbor saying, I'm looking out for your best interest. I care for you. I value you as a person. And for me, all the Christian theology of Imago Day and brokenness and God god has already forgiven every single person on this street. They just don't know it yet. God is in every single house on this street. Um, whether they know it or not, God is there. God is tr- trying to reconcile every person to God's self. And... Uh, and it just might be that a Jesus follower in the neighborhood can can catalyze that, can, can bring it about um, in a more tangible way. Um, but there's a lot of common grace, I think, that spreads around when people start to get to know each other and get in each other's lives and be in relationships. So this has kind of culminated into me pastoring the people. And as I started to read that book, read more about things that are happening, I discovered... Uh, community in Edmonton Howard Lawrence uh, a forge guy missio alliance guy read the same book I started looking into him he read the book that I did the abundant community kind of ruined his life like me <laughs> and uh, and he just thought I have to do something there's something here he's a minister like me and and he kind of came up with a way to do abundant community in a very tangible way and I've just cold called him I said Howard, I'm reading about what you're doing. I've heard a couple of interviews of you on podcasts. Is anybody doing this in Toronto? He said, well, no, not that I know of. He gets calls from all over the country. So first Mm -hmm. of all, I said, it's not that weird that you called me out of nowhere (laughs) because uh, it happens all the time. So I said, okay, (laughs) it's good. And then he just sent me everything he's done, uh, documents and best practices. And he said, like, use it all. Tailor it to Toronto, um it's not uh it's not an organization or institution or whatever just use it change it and report back and let's work together so i've taken what's happening in edmonton they call it the abundant community initiative edmonton and uh, kind of i'm starting it in toronto in my neighborhood uh piloting it talking to city councillors about it talking to uh a- anybody and everybody i can about implementing what they're doing in Edmonton uh, as tangible, abundant community stuff. So I don't know if you want to. Uh, now I can start answering your question. I guess what is what is it, Mark? That took like ten minutes to position myself to answer your question. <laughs> it was a great but Is that all the, that all the time we have? Up. That's was, all the time we have.
0: It was a great setup. <laughs> and close. <laughs> no, I mean the stuff you sent me over about it. I I just. Uh, I really love it the idea that you're you know um, you have here the purpose of the abundant Toronto initiative is for Torontonians to be connected by a neighbor to on each mm. street who'll initiate a casual conversation with each household on their block and then figure out vision for their neighborhood activities interests they would want to join in um, skills, gifts ability that they're willing to share with the whole neighborhood. I just love that idea that it's when I read that it's almost like you're interviewing, your neighbors to say what is it that you want to see happen in this neighborhood and i just found and
2: and who are you like that whole thing about uh presence and knowing and being known that really is what we want to be present to each other we want people to be present to us i think we are our best when we are present to others and so when we have potlucks and block parties and things like that that's great and it's important But there are always going to be people that don't come to those things, people who feel like they're too messed up or they're physically unable or they're just massive introverts and things like that freak them out. When I read what Howard is doing in Edmonton, this idea of going house to house to house, you're not cold calling like kind of JW style. You're, you are you know, putting flyers in the mailbox. You're saying, here's my, you self-disclose, here's my number, here's my how you know where I live. Right. Again, you don't do this six, seven streets over. It's not right. kind of a colonial project. I think the power of it is you carve out a, a literal space, these houses to these houses, these addresses. I'm going to decide to, to care for these people. And you get about the business of doing it. The power is, is going from house to house and, and having that conversation. Who are you? What do you like to do? What are your passions? What's your experience? What, what do you have to contribute? Would you like to contribute to the neighbors? What Howard found in Edmonton is inevitably people say yes and start to share. And the kind of top two ailments in our society, I, as you know, study after study is showing, loneliness and uh, mental health. So this to me is, is the way for the church to really address the malaise of kind of what we've done with our consumerism, with our garage doors, with our no front porches, with all the ways that we have slowly started to disconnect from each other. And I think we're at a like, oh, crap moment in society saying we are not connecting we're lonely we don't have friends i mean again newspaper i've just i'm like a crazy uh, scrapbooker now with the scissors and the newspaper i'm just like every article and they keep coming out we're lonely we're we're over medicated we don't have friends we don't have people we can call in england england's always ahead of canada mm-hmm. on the kind of social curve they've seen this as such a mental health a public health crisis that they now have a Federal money is going to a a helpline, not for crisis, not for suicide. I mean, there is that, but this is a a friend's line where at the end of the day, if you've got nobody to talk to, you just phone and the person says, tell me about your day. I mean, it's gotten this bad that we don't have anybody to talk to about our day, especially seniors, like 60% of seniors live alone, nobody to talk to, no friends And they have so much to offer. They have a lifetime of experience, gifts, skills. When you find those people on your street and say, what can you contribute? I know there's a few on my street, an artist, a woodworker, um, people who came to the potluck and just started telling me what they're capable of doing, what their life experience, what they could share. I built my workbench in my garage, a 90-year-old man. That was my first project. I'm like, I want to get into woodworking. A 90-year-old man like taught me how to build my own workbench. He was right there with me with the tools and stuff. So a lot of times these these assets, these people with gifts that we overlook because they don't think the same as us or it can be awkward sometimes, um, I think the church can be a crucial part of loving people and, and, you know, Christians need to be loved in return by people. And so we be- we can become these catalysts in our neighborhoods, not just siloing in affinity groups, mm-hmm. but uh, f- discovering that God is literally in the neighborhood, and that excites me so much. And that's where I'm saying I feel like I'm right in the in the pocket of where I'm supposed to be, especially with what I'm seeing happening on my street. What's Howard is is seeing, and all the doors that are opening for me uh, every step of trying to get this initiative underway. Uh, because of those, you know, it's very structured in the sense of I need to find street connectors. Every street has a street connector, somebody to do these house-to-house conversations. That That's time-consuming. It takes a while. For, uh, for 40 houses, it probably takes about four months of, you know, when are you free? When are mm-hmm. you available? Well, when you have this data, then you start to connect people. And as Howard said in Edmonton, associations start to form. Uh, some of them are political in nature. Some of them are... You know, they noticed uh, the person gathering the data. At 8 o'clock, a lot of people like to walk their dogs. So the 8 o'clock dog walkers club started. And this group of friends. We have a was, little club. Yeah. So like at 8 o'clock, all, the, all people had to do is sync up the time that they would walk their dog. Instead of people going out 8, 9, 10, 30. At 8 o'clock, you'd see all these doors open, the dog walkers on the street. And then they'd go for a walk together and a little community formed around that. And then things happen from there. Mm-hmm. You know, I keep hearing <laughs> we're so isolated, we don't even have the ground level that Jesus had to work with. At least Jesus walked around Galilee and Palestine in communities, villages where people were out on the street and knew each other and the word could spread, et cetera, et cetera. Like we don't even have that. So I know you still there's still a place for Eucharist and Bible study and things like that. And if years from now there were people on my street that said, hey, you know, we want to do that. Or as Hugh Halter tells stories, every Sunday he and people would hang out in the deck and then one day somebody said, are we a church? Because we get together a lot and just talk about Jesus and God and the Bible. It feels like we're a church, you know? They're sitting on a back deck with, you know, good bread and cheese and wine. But he said, come back next week. Think about that. And let's see if we want to be a church. And so people came back the next week and said, "Let's, let's be a church. You know, that's my dream as opposed to putting a sandwich board out and saying, you know, if you're... If you think this will be a cool affinity group for you, come on out. Um, that works, and I'm not disparaging of that. That needs to happen in some places. But this, to me, is a very holistic... If we, have move, if we have churches like that starting, if we have our traditional churches, a lot of on Sundays, I hear it a lot, this is part of the WikiGod interview, what does the church need to be doing, I would ask guests. And, well, we need to be out, we need to be meeting people, we need to be... To me, when I found this, it was like, this is a very tangible way to do that. Everybody lives in a neighborhood, Um, whether that is a condo floor or whatever. Chances are you live next to some people, even if they're a kilometer down the road. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was just an urban thing. But I talked to people in rural settings and it's even becoming that way in rural settings. It's, you know, a kilometer down the road, a kilometer up the road. I don't know those people. Um, What if you decide to pastor the people of your street, whether that's... Three hundred meters or you know thirty kilometers on your street, uh, things are going to happen and we create this this ground floor where God can work and where we value people and see each other as uh, as gifts, gifts to each other so that's that 's what this is about fundamentally
0: that's amazing you know what i 'm always so um... I always say encouraged a lot, but I am. I'm encouraged (laughs) when people step out and try something. Um, Mm. And Mark, I love what you're doing. And I would love, and thank you for sharing with us. um, I would love to like connect again back with you in six months or a year from now and see See where this is going because everything that you're talking about, the idea of next door as it is in heaven and these ideas of connecting with our neighbors, I think it's incredibly important. I think it's challenging. It's convicting. Mm. But I I agree when we talk about where does the church need to go, when we talk about church plans, we're always thinking about this idea of being out with other people, meeting people, connecting with people. And having this idea of you know, pastoring the people in your neighborhood, I think it's a... It's it's not just a wonderful idea; it's a god idea. So kudos mm-hmm. for taking the step, and I'm I'm excited to see where Abundant Toronto goes. So, um, if people want to get a hold of you and you know keep up with what you're doing, where's the best place for them to find you? Other than on Cameron Street, is that what you said? Yeah,
2: <laughs> <Ash>? yeah. <laughs> uh, check back on this podcast in six months. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to hear whether or not I'm a cautionary tale or something's actually happening.
0: There you go. Uh, yeah,
2: as as I told you, I don't I don't have a website yet. I don't. I didn't want to kind of put the cart before the horse this this is very uh this is very grassroots right now um i am being asked to speak here and there about it but again it's it's a lot of it. i don't want to say all of it because there are concrete steps i'm on the board in my neighborhood they've given me the blessing to do these household interviews so i'm just starting to do that but i didn't want to sound like i know what i'm talking about or this is anything yet before right. it is i need to for two years, I've just been talking to people, getting ideas, talking, theorizing. Um, so you're you're catching me at a time where it's like I'm I'm just starting to do to become a do person, and I'm going to learn a lot of lessons, and I'm going to make some mistakes. So you know, to follow up, um, whether that's in private or on this podcast in a while, would be fascinating. But uh, I've got to find out: is this anything? and uh and and what happens i need to experience it i need to do it All on right. the ground so, so that's let's help where i'm people, at let right people
0: now. to stay tuned then it's a stay yeah. tuned
2: yeah and of course i'm gonna you know be getting probably a website or something but sure. right now it's very grassroots neighbors and i'm and i'm looking for other people to, to to kind of come on board with this and 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 say they want to be a street connector in their neighborhood so That would be one thing. If you give my contact information and if people hear this and say, whatever their walk of life, this is a thing. You can be an accountant. You can be somebody of a a different faith even. But if you say, I think I want to be a street connector. I want to care for the people in my neighborhood. I want to kind of pull together a team of street connectors so we can learn about this together. And ultimately, my vision, hopefully it outlasts me, that whole thing about, if, if it doesn't outlive you, you're not dreaming big enough every street in toronto has a street connector um and uh and so every single household is connected by a street connector all across the city so right now right amazing now it's, it's cameron right now it's one street and i think there's thousands of streets so so there's lots of you know lots of work to do
0: awesome well mark thank you so much for your time we really appreciate it and thank you so much for sharing your story with us thank you all right
1: Okay, so that was Mark Rolo talking about his church planting project in Toronto called uh, Abundant Toronto. Uh, really fascinating stuff, L, I, I I thought that was great.
0: I, lo- I love the idea. Like, honestly, I just... my Okay, so my biggest takeaway from this is the idea that you would have, I guess it would be called a street connector. Like someone who would take responsibility for a strip of houses on your street and that your job is to conduct these household interviews that you would go door to door and you would say to your neighbor what's your vision for the neighborhood like what is it that you actually want to do with your neighbors like what's an activity that you would actually attend what's something that you would actually get inspired and excited about and what are the things that you could actually bring to the table for the neighborhood like is there a skill or is there a, a gift or an ability that you uniquely have that could really serve the neighborhood and you know the thing that I thought was so different about it is I've heard a lot of people talk about missional neighborhoods all that great stuff but it's always let's come up with an idea and let's have it and invite the neighborhood to come rather than let's ask the neighborhood what it is they'd like us to do in the first place so yeah that that is is totally yeah that's a huge game changer and you know I've talked a lot of yeah about that stuff of like actually going out kind of like a startup does right with a good startup you know like going out and actually asking people what is it that you want to see what is the problem that you see that we need to solve and I think that is really what that is to me is the game changer on this because if you actually create things that people want to come to I just feel like you would have more buy-in than if you tried to imagine something on your own and hope that people would like it. So I was really inspired by hearing this household interview idea and I can just imagine how wonderful that would be to have, like imagine if you were a neighbor and you had someone come to your house and ask you that and then like a month down the road they had an event that you you actually really would want to go to and be involved in. Like it would just create this atmosphere of positivity right from the get-go. So good for Mark so grateful that he shared the story, and love this idea of abundant Toronto.
1: This is this is something we actually uh, start talking about in the church plant design shop. A lot of a lot of what we do as church plants, we're in conversation with evangelical Christians, and uh, and a lot of a lot of church planting like value statements and things like that. Honestly, it looks like they've never talked to one of their neighbors because the ideas they come up with aren't things that I think Canadians are actually interested in. And what I think is so cool, Mark was at one of the very beginning meetings of the New Leaf Network. It was on December eighth, uh, uh, twenty fifteen. It was a it was a big meeting for me anyway, and you Mm -hmm. were there and my wife was there and a bunch of denominational leaders and, and Mark was a part of it because I just, I always sensed that Mark got what we were about. And when, and so I talked a little bit about the the changing religious landscape in Canada, and this is something we've we bumped into before. If you're at all interested, it's a Pew Research article. You can check it out online. They got all these charts and graphs that explain things. But basically, what we're what we're noticing is the fastest growing religious designation in Canada are the nons, those with no religious affiliation. That's gone from four percent to to uh, twenty four percent, and it's probably higher now because the Pew Research is only uh, it's it's twenty thirteen numbers, um, and and what what we've learned over the over through other studies is is sort of the committed Christians, those who are part of a church community. This is is this faith affects their life; they live this every day. That's about nineteen percent of the Canadian population, and honestly, so much church planning tends to only be conversant. With those 19%, if you're talking about evangelicals only, you're talking somewhere between 8 and 12% of the Canadian population. And so I was just kind of laying out those numbers and saying what the New Leaf Network wants to do is start paying attention to the 80% of Canadians who who uh are just we're not we're not even thinking mm-hmm. about them and uh, I'm really excited because these conversations are going to be an ongoing part of where we go together uh, as a network we've got plans we've got ideas on on raising consciousness but Mark said that that particular discussion is what was the game changer or a, a turning point in him making this pivot away from, Uh, being a podcast church to uh, focusing on this abundant community. So we need to check in with Mark because he's only at the beginning stages of this. Um, He's got exciting things that if you follow him on Facebook, you'll see all the projects that he's working on. But what's so cool is is that Mark was part of these original conversations and he's joining us in thinking about uh, what we can do. And and what I love is he was inspired by uh, a great Canadian story, the abundant community. And we got to have these guys mm-hmm. on the uh, the mm-hmm. podcast. Hey, I'm going to have to try and track them down next time I'm in Edmonton. But anyway, uh, I love this story. And I think Mark is right on. I love him as an adventurous church planter. I want to hear more from him because uh, he's not afraid to experiment. And that's something else that I just want to suggest to people is, please don't be afraid to fail. Uh, failure is 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 a huge teacher. And if we only ever do uh, things that have worked before, I think I think we're going to lose something in our overall creativity. and And so what I love about Mark is he's tried stuff. And, uh, and he is sorting himself out. I just love stories like that. So thanks for uh, doing this great interview, L. Um, and
0: thanks to Mark for sharing all of his great stories.
1: And, and thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, we, we, uh, we have a lots going on these days. So stay connected to the website. Uh, talk to us on Facebook. We always post these on Facebook. That's our primary means of communication at the moment. And uh, so, so check us out, share this podcast if you like it, Um, share it on Facebook uh, with your friends and just keep the conversation going. You never know how one of these stories is really going to positively impact somebody. Um, And uh, I think Mark's story is a great reminder of that. So thanks a lot for listening. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Bye friends. Bye Bye. Thanks for listening to the New Leaf Podcast. You can find us on the web at newleafnetwork.ca or head on over to our Facebook page, New Leaf Network. We have events, workshops, and conversations happening all the time. We would love if you could join us as we share the stories of planters and stars all across Canada.